Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Okay, here we are. It is Monday, almost Thanksgiving. And I have the great pleasure of having a dear friend and now world champion, Chris Mendoza, on the show with me today. Chris, say hello to folks. Hey, what's going on, everyone? What's going on, Rich? It's good to be here. You know, I'm so proud of you, man. I can't even tell you. I just got chicken skin by saying it. <laughs> you know, it's such a cool thing that you were able to pull that off. Yeah, I mean, it's still surreal to me. It's been like a week later and... <clears throat> I don't know, just thinking of how far I've come. It's been awesome. Yeah. Well, and I'd like to think that I had a little something to do with that history. I mean, you you, you know, you and I have touched base and done some things a while back, but I've been watching your progress over time, and I've never, uh, never for a minute counted you out as a potential victor in such a thing. So for those that aren't sure what, I, what I'm talking about, Chris had just recently won the world's toughest mutter competition that has just recently been moved to Georgia. Oh yeah. And that, that all by itself was something to talk about, right? Oh my gosh. That like, seriously, I couldn't have written like the end of that race any better. And I even told some of the people in my crew who'd never been before. I was like, do not come back to another event. Cause this is as good as it's going to get guys. Like wow. this is as crazy as it's going to be. So now let's talk about that for a second. Uh, comparatively. I mean, how many times have you done WTM in Vegas? I did it all four years in Vegas. Okay. Yeah. So my first competitive race was WTM in 2014. It was just suffering for me. Um, but then, yeah, I did all four years there. And it, it was it's kind of made this race like I was a little more nervous than I'd had been in previous years because so much unexpected. Yeah, I would think so. Um, yeah. So comparatively speaking, I, I know there's different conditions, circumstances and what have you. Right. But. Hands down, Georgia much tougher than Vegas. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, just the cold alone was like a huge factor, um, and just made it super difficult. And then the mud played a little bit of a factor too. But you know, every year, like Georgia could be this time of year, it could get down to the 30s, like it was, or you know, some days it could be 70s. So it's kind of just so volatile the weather that I think that that has a huge part to do with it. So. Yeah, I did not expect it to be that. I mean, I was in Georgia the week before. I was. Yeah. I, I did a clinic in Atlanta the week before, and I mean, it was a little chilly in the morning, a little windy, but for the most part, it was uh, you know it was not a big deal. Yeah, I mean, in, and in Vegas, like it's usually it gets pretty cold at night, but during the day, it's like seventy. But here it was just like, you know, windy and pretty cold from the get-go. So Yeah, it was windy when we were there. Yep. And that, you know, the wind is always a factor, especially when the weather starts getting down around that 30 mark. Yeah, for sure. Um, so talk to me about this. Uh, what did they call that thing? Where What's well, the drop? It was 37-foot drop. Oh, the stacks. The stacks. The stacks. You had yeah. a climb, that was a bitch just climbing up that thing, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So it's super funny because, you know, that was like – 
I hate heights. Like one of my biggest fears <laughs> is heights. And, you know, after Las Vegas, I was like, okay, we're done with the cliff. Like I would do it still because, you know, being a competitor, I would not let that like detract from my race. But then, you know, I figured that they said they were going to bring something big and I didn't really think that they could replicate the cliff. Um, and I didn't really look at anything. And then Lindsay Webster and I both terrified of heights the day before the race, we just see the preview and we're like, what the heck is going on? Like, and it's worse than the cliff because you actually have to climb up that 37 feet. Yeah. You know, yeah. On those cargo, um, containers. Those big cargo containers. Yeah. So it's just pretty much, you're like digging your grave and then just got to jump, jump down out of it. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. Well, not only that, but you're muddy, you're tired. Oh, yeah. You know, just trying to get up those stupid things is probably almost scarier than jumping off. You're probably relieved to jump off the damn thing. Oh, yeah. And actually, like the last lap, I was so fatigued after getting to the top that I was nervous that when I like jumped down and hit the water, like I would pass out. So yeah. <laughs> because I was so tired getting up there that I had to give myself a few seconds to like calm down, you know, because I was like, OK, compose yourself. Do not pass out when you hit the water. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It so was what, crazy. what was the official finish uh, mileage? Were you 90 miles deep? Uh, I finished with 100. Yeah. Oh, cool. Trevor, wow. Trevor and I both hit the 100 mark. Oh, okay. I thought, I don't know why I was thinking 90. I, uh, I yeah. I, Je- Jesse got 90. So the third place guy got 90. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 100 miles in that. So if you were to compare it, like, again, I, I, I try to draw these correlations because mm-hmm. uh, those that didn't make it to Georgia and are still kind of wondering, would you say that had it been Vegas that you would have pulled maybe 110, 115? Uh, I think 110 was definitely possible. I don't know about 115, but um, I mean, the the main comparison I can make right now is like 2016, I ran 100 miles in Las Vegas and I am in way better shape than I am then. And I was struggled to get that 100 miles. I mean... So, I mean, just looking at the mileage and everything, it's just like, yeah, it was definitely way harder to get 100 here. Uh, now, do you know whether they're planning on keeping the race there or whether they're planning on moving it? Oh, yeah. No. So um, they announced at the brunch that it's actually going to be in Atlanta again, and it's actually a week later. So like the 16th, 17th of November, something like that. So, yeah. Going to give you a chance to get let it get a little colder. Uh, yeah, you know, it's really nice of them. I'm, I'm really excited for that. So, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, you have to return. you got to defend your title, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's funny because during the whole race, um, I actually was like in the middle of the night just really wanted to quit and stuff. And I told myself I was just so miserable. I was not coming back to this. But it's funny how winning the race in like a few days, a week out, you're just your perspective obviously changes and, you know. The chances of me going back is like ninety nine percent. So unless well, something happens, you've been pretty successful this this past season. I know that um, I was I was bummed that I didn't see you at the Spartan World Championships because I I definitely felt that you would have been a shoe in for the ultra had you had you done it. And I know some other things came up, and uh, obviously enough your your career it's yeah. like in full swing now, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was just finished residency this past summer and then moved out to Colorado to work. And, uh, yeah, so kind of balancing those two things has been, it's been pretty fun. I, I love being out here in Colorado. I was just going to say, do you find that having the opportunity to train at altitude and, you know, in, in the mountains, uh, has that made a big difference for you? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think 
it's kind of like uh, when I first moved out here, it's kind of demoralizing because you can't run fast at all. Yeah, I you know, know. You're, not, you're not acclimated. And so I just kind of had to like do a reset and just like tell myself, you know what, I'm not even going to look at my times for like a month almost because, you know, you can't compare it to what you're running before. And I honestly like felt like I was kind of like in worse shape just because I was not running very fast. But then I, I went back down to sea level and was, you know, cranking out way faster times and was it was a lot easier. So it's definitely, um, you know, been helping. And then just like the amount of mountains and different trails just makes it so much more like rewarding and fun just to get out there and train. It takes a little bit of while. You just can't rip up there and then start like you suggested, start tearing it up. It, it weighs on oh. you. Oh, for sure. And actually like a month after I moved here, I'd signed up for a hundred K, um, which averaged at an altitude of 10,000 feet, a little over 10,000. And it was kind of like my motivation to, you know what, this first month that you're in Colorado, you got to train and try to acclimatize as best you can in that month, unless this race is going to destroy you. Wow. So yeah. tell, me, tell me a little bit about your training leading up to this thing. What kind of volume were you putting in? So, I mean, I would say like in my high mileage weeks, I would get up to about a hundred miles with 20,000 ish feet of climbing per week. Right. Um, and then obviously like after a week like that, I would drop down, um, to maybe like 60 or 70 miles and kind of build back up. But, um, you know, I was really focused on just a lot of time on feet, a lot of running, um, high mileage. And then I would definitely do a couple, one to two like hill workouts a week where like hill repeats, right. um, things like that. Um, and then a big thing for me was just on the weekends, I'd just get a back-to-back long run. Um, and sometimes it turned into more like mountaineering type scrambling, yeah. uh, just depending on the trails I was at. So some of it wasn't even running. It was just... But just being out there um, was huge, just kind of getting used to being out there for a long time. And then I'd try to supplement with um, like two days a week. I'd try to go boulder at the bouldering gym over here. Yep. And then I would kind of um, pick like two or three Yancey camp workouts that I could kind of fit in uh, to do during during the week. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Now, talk to me about you and I work together. So yep. do, do you feel like getting to a place where you're pretty comfortable with your running mechanics allowed you to get to the kind of volume you were doing? Oh yeah. I mean, so like I can't actually like describe of how important like running mechanics are when I, um, you know, before I came to see you and like before I started running, like I remember in like college, you know, you just run for fun or to stay in shape for other sports. And, I would have like terrible knee problems and just like all these difficulties running. And now, I mean, you know, granted you're slowly increasing your volume over time. So you're not overdoing it, but like I'm able to run 80 to a hundred miles a week and it's fine. Like, yeah, I'm tired, but like my joints feel good. Everything feels good. And I think that that's super important to take into consideration as you start to, you know, increase volume. And if you want to get better, you really have to focus on those mechanics. Yeah. And, and I, I'm glad to hear you say it because I've been preaching that forever to people. The first thing you have to do is survive the work and you yep. can't, you can't survive the work if you're just throwing shit at it. You know, if you, if you run badly and you try to run more often badly, it's going to manifest in some fashion of injury somewhere. And you just, 
you wrestle with that forever. And I see people do this chronically. They're, oh, my hip, my back, my, you know, it's just my knees. I just, I have bad knees. So now you're killing yourself, dude. You just gotta, you gotta clean it up so that you can get through it. And yeah. I, I find that to be the very first reward is that you're able to do the big work and you wake up in the morning and say, hey, you know what? I'm all right, you know? Yeah. And I think, and I actually still remember after going to your, um, just going to work with you the first time, it was definitely a transition. Like I remember those first, the first month or two, like feeling everything was a little more sore. Um, it just didn't feel right at first um, because, you know, you're changing your running mechanics. And sure. it was kind of one of those things where you just have to trust the process. And, you know, I, I had enough faith in you, um, you know, after uh, I know you worked, I, you know, I heard about you after working with Hunter and, you know, he highly recommended you. So I just kind of trusted the process and kept going with it. And then honestly, it was probably three months after I was like, okay, like I felt like things were just getting a lot easier because, yeah. you know, people expect like, oh yeah, I changed my running mechanics and like a week later it's going to feel great. And that's definitely not the case. Like I was, I felt horrible. I felt slower. Um, but you know, you have to get your body used to a whole new style of running. Yeah. It's a know? transition and, yeah. and you're right. So I used to, as a matter of fact, I think I commented in, in my first book, I referred to it as the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't. Yeah. You know, if you were to go out and, you know, you know what your limit is, 40 miles a week and things start to hurt mm -hmm. and you have this methodology you follow that you historically followed in order to contend with the soreness or injury or whatever it is. And, and generally what it is, people take like a week off and right. they start feeling better again and then they go right back at it, hoping that they're going to be able to push up beyond that limit they had before. And it usually doesn't work. And with mm -hmm. a, a transition to uh, running, what, what, let's just call it proper running mechanics, yeah. it, it, you're, you're just initiating load in connective tissue and soft tissue that you're not accustomed to taking on. And if you do too much too early, it's really going to hammer you out. But having the patience and, like you suggested, trusting the process makes a big, big difference. And then I see the folks that come out the other end. Yeah. And then I started getting these messages saying, hey, dude, you can't believe blah, 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 blah. But, you know, how much faster they're running, what their sustainable paces look like. And the fact that, and again, the, the premier fact that they can do it and come back tomorrow and do it again and not be in, a, in, in the bag over it, which is the big deal. Yeah, 100 percent. And like, it's funny because like when I first kind of reached out to you, like in my mind before that, I was like, well. I, you know, I didn't really see a value in like, what the heck is a running coach or, yeah. you know, what is that going to do for me? But like thinking about it, it's like, well, my whole life I'd played sports and you obviously have coaches yeah. and I just never thought about that for running. Like, cause I started running in 2014. I just never thought about that. I'm like, yeah, you just go run and you know, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Um, but then kind of when you just think about it that way, it's like, well, why wouldn't you have a coach to help you run? Um, I mean, even if it's just you and I, like we see each other, like maybe once a year and kind of just fine tune things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so. I have people that do that and they, you know, they'll, they'll hit me up after a while or maybe, maybe just shoot me a video or something and, and just, you know, they, you kind of get into a place. And the other thing too, is I find that perception is such a nightmare. You might think that you're doing something proper and yeah. in fact, you're making a mistake and then you start questioning yourself because you're hurt and you're going, you know, I'm trying to do this right. I think I'm doing it right. And I'm still hurt. 
where in fact you're not doing it right. That's why you're hurt. <laughs> right. No, for sure. And I mean, I think that's really important. And like, I've tried to kind of make a point to c- come see you and I'm, we're going to actually have to talk as I have to come yeah. see you sometime this, this winter. Cause ch- kind of just like a, a tune up yeah. because it's so easy to get complacent. You should like, come out yeah. to the super clinic January uh, 11th through 13th. Ooh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Come yeah, out. Yeah. Cause we get your, we get your tested again. And, yeah. and uh, we're going to go up in the Santa Monica mountains on Sunday. We're going to do some hill repeats in the dunes. We're going to go uh, do some sugar cookie work on the beach afterwards. But you okay, know. that that sand hill, I, I haven't done it with you, but I've been there because, you know, I used to live right there. Yeah, it's a freaking nightmare. Is, that's death. Yeah. I saw the workout you put the, everyone through and I was like queasy from watching it. Yeah, yeah. It was cool, though. Um, and the, the comfort of being here uh, makes all the difference in the world because, uh, first of all, when I'm traveling, I end up someplace. Well, for example, this past trip to Atlanta. You know, I had no idea where we we're gonna we we're gonna go outdoors, and I trusted a few people to lead me to a good spot, and they found us a good spot. They found us a park, but for doing hill work, it's like there's like little knoll. You know, it's like mm, it's, oh my gosh, okay, I know. so you know. And I remember Dallas. We did one in Dallas, and I had Yancey with me, and he pointed me to this park, and I mean it was flat as a pancake. And so yeah. we ended up having to run over top of uh, picnic tables and jump over garbage cans. And oh stuff. my god! <laughs> we just didn't have anything uh, terrain-wise to play with. So yeah, here you know you know what's happening here. I mean, we're gonna go we're gonna go into Sycamore Canyon. Uh, I got oh. v- VJ's coming out, and uh, we're gonna do eh, probably about a not not crazy, probably about a 10k up through nice. the up through the hills, you know, and mm-hmm. then we'll go down and, and hit that sand dune. And then we'll oh. go down and hit the sugar cookie beach, you know. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> it'll be a nice, nice. day. But God, I'd love to get some testing on you again. I mean, it's been a long time since I tested you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, oh, I, t- yeah, did I, I? I didn't oh. get your VO two, did I? You did, but that only like two years ago. Like oh, when shit. I came that's... in like twenty sixteen, yeah. like May. Yeah, yeah, that's a long time ago. Yeah, it's been a while. So yeah, not to mention all the volume and altitude and all the stuff you've been. You know, that's there's a big difference. Yeah. Uh, It'd be fun to see because I, I have the old data. We could get that comparative analysis. It'd be fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. still have it somewhere. Yeah. Well, I have it. It's in my computer. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, so it's, uh, yeah, that second weekend, I'll put it in my calendar. Yeah, do. Do. You know, you're, yeah. uh, you'll be my guest. Uh, it'll be just another reward for winning that race. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Um, awesome. Let's talk about nutrition. Um, yeah. What was your feeding strategy during this race? So uh, during the race, um, super lucky, um, just kind of like a little plug for goo energy labs. They sent me a nice, uh, care package. I had tested all their stuff and for some reason it like, I would say two years ago, it didn't work for me. Now it's just like, it's perfect. So I would go out every loop with one to two gels. Um, and then I made a point every two laps or so that I would eat something a little more solid, whether that was like a Stroopwafel RX bar, something like that. Um, but as it got colder at night, I found that like my usual cal- like my usual calorie intake was pretty much doubling, which I was nervous about because, you know, I didn't want to have like some GI distress, right. but, but I was like, as I was out there, I was getting kind of dizzy and I knew I was drinking enough and I was just like, well, I guess my body just needs a little bit more. It's just trying to stay warm. So, you know, I, every lap I would probably come in and have, like one of the, like a mini like Snickers or payday. Um, I had bananas 
chocolate chip pumpkin bread was like one of those things I kind of saved as like, this is something I really, really sounds good in the middle of the night, but you know, all pretty simple things. Um, and then obviously as it got really cold, it was just like chicken broth, warm, warm things. So, but I mean, pretty much besides like I would drink the chicken broth and like maybe some hot chocolate in the pits, but I would take all my food with me out on course. Ah, yeah. so you were carrying food while you were running. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what did so you I'd usually, yeah, I'd usually get like a Snicker bar or like okay. a RX bar to kind of eat at the beginning of the lap. And then I still had like either like a chews, like some of those like um, gummy chews or like a goo that I would have in my pack for like the middle of the lap. Yeah, you got to be careful with uh, the goos when you do. I'm, and, and I'm, I guess uh, I'm. I'm, ref- I'm not trying to take a shot at the manufacturer. I'm, the yep. term goo. I could have yeah. said gel. I suppose it's, yeah. it's. It's like Scotch tape. You know, it's just tape, right? Mm-hmm. But um, there's really, really high sugary, uh, pasty substances like that. You get three, four of those in your stomach, and next thing you know, that porta potty is your next best friend. Yeah, yeah, and like that's kind of why I um, I use that as kind of like every once like I would it'd be consistent, but I would definitely not recommend just relying fully on like goose or anything like that. Right, you got to get some food in there. Yeah, yeah, especially as it got a lot colder and your your body needs something something different. So, um, yeah, that was kind of my nutrition strategy and everything. Like my stomach was solid all all day long. Now, did you feel like uh... Uh, obviously enough, the first part of the event was stronger for you. But I mean, did when did you feel like there was kind of a lull? When did you start feeling like you were really getting put out? I mean, so I think a little after nightfall, um, I kind of had a lead for a while. Then Trevor kind of caught up to me later in the night. I think it was around 10 or 11. And it was around then when I started I was in my swim run suit and was still getting a lot colder. Um, and I knew that we still had like nine more hours of it getting colder. So it was kind of, I seriously had like a 10 hour period where I was just like, not, not with it mentally. Um, like I wasn't mentally strong. I mean, I was, you know, with it able to keep going, but I was just like, man, having a little pity party out there and, uh, considered quitting multiple times just because it was getting so cold and, you know, with, with ice freezing over of some of the obstacles, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, why am I even out here? <laughs> did you, uh, when you got back to the pit, your crew, did you start running, running that on them to saying, you know, I think I want to stop today. They, they get in your ass a little bit. You know, I don't think I ever, t- I think I might've mentioned like, I'm miserable. Like I don't really want to do this. And, <laughs> uh, I, that's actually one reason why I did. I brought my best friend out to help crew for me. Cause like, you know, it's like someone that you've known your whole life and they, they kind of just know they, he knows me and he, he just like, you know, screw you, Chris, like you're going back out. Like, and they were really good about meeting me halfway uh, through the lap to kind of give me some motivation too and ask if there was anything different I needed. So yeah, they, they were not going to let me stop. Um, and you know, by the time I got back to the pits and like got some warm water on my hands, I started to feel a little better. So, uh, <laughs> But There's then, nothing... like the second, the second I would leave, I'd be like cold again, and be like, "Well, I don't want to be here again." Yeah. So, yeah. There's nothing like having a best friend that knows you, that knows how to get under your skin when you when you have that weakness, you know. Oh yeah, and the funny thing is, is he doesn't do any of this endurance stuff at all. But like, you know, he just knows me, so right. yeah, he didn't. He wasn't gonna let me quit. Yeah, I had a uh, you know short story 
I think it was 1983, I was doing a, a long course triathlon uh, on Maui. And it was about 96 degrees during during the run and you know Uh you could see it's like when you look down the road and you see the the heat radiating off the pavement oh yeah you know what i mean and i was on this death march it was looking i think i had like three miles to finish the run and it was you know you're out there by yourself and out of nowhere i hear this little whiny voice up on a hill what are you doing like this (laughs) on a bullhorn yeah. It was my freaking roommate. Oh yeah. And it's like, you know, I was busted, you know. I had I was dying yeah. inside and I just didn't want to do this anymore. Yep. And that just it was just enough to shock me back into getting my run back on. You know. It's amazing like what those people could do for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've had people want me to to pit for them at WTM on a couple different occasions. And I you know, that's a giving situation, man. It's one thing to be out there charging up and down the hills or whatever, but just standing around waiting for somebody all night oh, long. Yeah. And you're freezing too, right? Yeah. Forget yeah. it. Oh man. my gosh. I was like, how is like, I know I'm getting in the water, but I even told my crew like, Hey, use any of my stuff that I'm not using because <laughs> it's freezing cold. And at the beginning of the day, they were like, Oh no, I think we'll be fine. And then like, yeah. I don't know, by like 10 hours in, they were like wearing my dry robe and yeah, everything. Yeah. And, and, and my friend even had like some of my wetsuit sleeves on his arm because he was so cold, Yeah, you know, but like no, for them to stay out there was awesome. You're going to owe that guy for the rest of your life. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he's going to let sure. you know, one day he's going to let you know, just say, oh. Hey Chris, you remember that time? You know, yeah. it's going to be exactly. one of those. Exactly. But I think you do a pretty good job crewing because we, we both know you have no sympathy. Yeah. Well, you, no, you but it's just like, look at, I sympathy for myself. I just mm-hmm. don't want to be out there. I mean, Oh, you're, you're smart. Yeah, Stephanie Bishop I, I, tried to get me to, to do do a deal with her, and uh, I said, Stephanie, I, yeah, I love you. I, I'm not going out there. I'm not. I'm not standing out there for, you know. I couldn't even do like uh, what is it, the tougher mutter where you know, when they start at midnight. When, whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, the toughest mutter. Yeah, yeah, three o'clock in the morning. I said, you know what? Yeah. I'm gonna leave a note here, and I, I'm leaving. I'm going home. Yeah, smart. <laughs> smart getting man. Cold. Uh, and plus the scotch was almost gone. So I just, I'm, I'm going to go home before I, I get drunk and can't drive home. Yeah. I was about to say, that's the, I think the only way that you can get enticed to go to WC. Yeah. No. A couple of handles of scotch. But my, my, you know, my hat's off to you. I, I have a couple of clients that, that, you know, Kevin Gregory is one of my guys and. Oh yeah. You know, he's, he's a big guy, you know, it's just a rough, rough race for a guy that big. Yeah. You know, he yeah, does yeah. well. I mean, I think he put down like 60 miles and. And the cold got to him finally, but yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, you push in, uh, you push two hundred and fifteen pounds, and carry yourself, you know, for twenty four hours, whatever it is. It's just too much energy expense associated with that work. Yeah, and, I think that I think the clown mass is what's really wearing him down. Yeah, <laughs> it's wearing other people down too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but he uh, he just came in second in an elite heat uh, in a sprint race this past weekend. He raced this last weekend. Yeah, came in second. How uh, pissed at him that he raced? You know what? I, 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 he came at me with it. He goes, you know, you told me never to do a race unless I felt comfortable I could win. Right. And so I, I just had to shut up because I did say that. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. And, and you know, he came in second, so clearly he felt that he could he could win. So. 
otherwise yeah. I would have, you know, I would have been all up and down his ass over it because yeah, I don't, I don't think, you know, I mean, there, you got to pick your, you got to pick your fights, dude. It's, it's like, for sure. Yeah. I think that's one big thing I've learned from you. Just like listening to you talk is, I think that's a big change I made this year. It's like some people were racing every weekend and I'm like, stupid. you know what? Like I'm, especially cause I was focused on the endurance events. I'm like, uh, one a month, maybe two, maybe, but if it's, you know, the other one has to be shorter, you know, really pick your, pick your A races. Right. Super important. Well, and the other end of it is, is organize the races in such a way that you can allow your body to adapt to the type of training that you need for the race. Right. You yep. Know, you know, doing a stadium race today and, you know, a 12 hour event the next week, you know, it's like your body's confused. It doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, it's for stupid. sure. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, what was, I had another question. Okay. Um, what what now that you've sat back and you've had a chance to reflect on this yeah. what what might you have done different Ooh, so i mean i probably would have worn thicker socks because i have a little bit of frostbite on my feet so that's an obvious one <laughs> um but i mean i don't know like i i think that maybe i could have put on my wetsuit a little bit later for the first time but I was so nervous about getting cold out there that I, I put my wetsuit on after four laps. I think I could have pushed another one, which is what Trevor did. Um, but because, you know, once you put a wetsuit on, it's so hard to run in that, right. in that stuff. So, yeah. you know, I think that that's one thing I would have changed. Um, but to be honest, I, I mean, I think that the biggest thing was kind of just mindset is I feel like I had a huge – like weak point throughout the night or it wasn't one, it was a long weak point throughout the night where I felt like, you know, like Trevor was just, he's, he was gaining his lead on me every lap. And to be honest, probably from miles 60 to 90, my mindset was you're racing for second, you're going for a hundred miles. And like the hundred miles was my big goal. I didn't think that I'd be able to actually win. And I think that that's kind of, you know, it can kind of weigh on your, your running, you know, you don't have that, um, you know, that belief, I guess that you can win the race. And so you kind of settled, I pretty much settled into a pace to where I was like, okay, you just got to settle in to get a hundred and, you know, own second. Yeah. And that was kind of, I think that was probably the the worst part. I mean, otherwise, I mean, it it was really cold, so I'm going to have to figure out some way to keep my hands a little bit warmer um my limbs a little warmer but yeah that's there's nothing i could really do what kind of a wetsuit did you wear so i i wore like an orca swim run um for the first for miles like 20 to maybe 50 60 or something like that and then i actually had brought a 5.3 xterra wetsuit that i had worn in 2015 um and i told my my crew it was super funny in the middle of the night I knew it was getting too cold. And so I told my friend Robert, I was like, Hey Rob, uh, okay, take the, take the red wetsuit and just cut it off right above the knees. And like his response was like, wait, you want me to do what? And I just had him cut him right above the knees just so it was kind of like a shorty, but I had my full sleeves on because, you know, I knew that in order to keep, keep going, like having the wetsuit around your knee, and it's, a nightmare. It's, just, it's so hard to run. So I was just like, whatever, I'm going to go for speed. And I switched into that early in the morning, you know, and that kept me, my, it kept my core warm. Um, but you know, just 
kind of like your your face, your toes, which I couldn't feel after a while, yeah. and then my fingers. Those were like the big things that I was. I think I need to work on just keeping warm, um, and then definitely a windbreaker. That's that's huge, especially there because it gets so windy. So somebody needs to make a wetsuit designed for this race. I know. You know. I think I think the swim run type suits are the best thing right now. What's that three um, mil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I so I actually got my wetsuit stolen two days, three days before the race nice. or something like that. Yeah, we sent it to the house we were staying at. I heard it got stolen, so I had to like last minute go buy a wetsuit. And uh, thankfully, I bought a couple sizes just because I wasn't sure. And I found kind of the one that fit. and It worked out really well. I actually really like that wetsuit. I think in Vegas, like that's probably all I would have needed. Um, but being here, we had to bump it up to the 5.3. If they came up with a material that, <clears throat> allowed you to breathe but didn't let the moisture come in and carry it i mean right into a booty so yeah oh. some kind of a sock yeah. really thin like two mil sock that can keep your feet warm because your extremities as you suggested your fingers and your toes all the blood shunting away from your fingers and toes to go to your internal organs you know yeah. your body's yeah. trying to survive and so and, and, you know, I don't, you didn't quite mention it with the type of gusto I think I might have, <laughs> but you got freaking frostbite toes. <laughs> yeah. My God. I was like, ah, I just can't even imagine that, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. I was kind of telling you before the call, like I thought, I, at first I didn't really notice, like kind of everything's numb after the race and everything hurts. So I didn't really notice anything. And then like when I got home on, I think Tuesday night, um, you know, they were still pretty like numb. And so I kind of looked, I was like looking at my toe and it looked a little black and I just kind of was like, Oh, it's probably a blood blister or whatever. Like I ran a hundred miles in the same shoes, but then I kind of like looked underneath my feet and kind of noticed that there was a lot of black or at least a lot more than I'm used to. And, uh, but yeah, everything should be okay. It's just going to be losing some skin. So um, it's definitely a little painful, but not, not too bad. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, better you than me. I, I don't think I. Just the idea of scare. That's like getting bit by a snake. I mean, you know, oh, frostbite yeah. and snake bite. Two two different things I don't want to deal with. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying I wanted it, but yeah. uh, I, I will say it was worth it. <laughs> so now, uh, what's next? So um, aside I from actually, my clinic. Yeah, yeah. So I was actually going to be running the Sean O'Brien 100K in the first weekend in February. But it just got canceled because of the fires. Oh, yeah. So um, I really don't know. Um, I would say what's next is I'm definitely taking like this next month to do pretty much nothing or kind of like whatever I feel like doing. I'm no pressure up until like January 1st of me like actually doing anything. I just want to make sure I'm nice yeah. and recovered. You yeah, know? smart move. Um, yeah. Have you thought about Western states? So <laughs> I put my name in the lottery this year. Uh, so December 1st, I'll find out about Western States. Wow. Yep. So that's kind of, that's, I've really found that I, I just love like being outdoors and running in, in the mountains, obviously when I moved here to Colorado. Right. So I've been, you know, ran a few ultras and I just love them. I, I also feel like for me, because it's not my like quote unquote, like competitive sport, it, it, I just go out there and have fun. But it's also like super good training for the endurance events I'm doing in OCR. Right. So 
Yeah, I've, I'm definitely going to be running some ultras this year. Um, I might, looking at like kind of the schedule, because Sean O'Brien got canceled, they shifted the Western States qualifying race to Leona Divide, which is out near you also, but yeah. uh, I think it's like in April. So I might be doing that. I still haven't decided. So how just, far is the qualifier? Uh, 100K. Okay. It's going to be 100K. Yeah, I'm trying not to, unless it's Western States, I'm not trying to run 100 miles if I don't you know, have to. Right. Just recovery-wise is, yeah. Um, I'll probably do some of the toughest this year. I haven't really like solidified that. And then um, also this is going to depend on Western States is – if I decide to go do the Enduro 24, oh, that's boy. something that kind of interests me, but it's like halfway through the, the year to like world's toughest. So, I mean, I think that it's far enough away. Enduro's tw- Australia, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's down in Australia. So yeah. it's definitely on my radar. Not hundred percent sure if I'm going to do that, but yeah, those are the big races. I mean, I was, I kind of want to see what Spartan does with their mountain series and stuff like that. Cause yeah. I love running mountains and I think that just having some of those is some like tune up races just to kind of work on running fast earlier in the season is going to benefit. So yeah, my friend Charlie Ingalls putting those together. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I love Charlie and, and you know, you want to find a guy that's going to put to put a course together for you. Yeah. You know, he's going to, you know, even the shorter stuff, if it, even if it's 13 miles, it's, he's going to make it ugly. I, I know he is. He likes ugly. Hey, that's perfect. That's perfect. I love ugly. I yeah. love ugly. Do uh, <laughs> you remember that workout we did at my place when you and Hunter were doing the interval repeats with the back? Oh, I very much remember. <laughs> and you ran the you ran a freaking marathon that weekend. It was it was like a, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday that we did that yep. workout, and you had a, a marathon to do on. I kept telling you. Chris, you don't have to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, that was my Boston qualifying race. Yeah, that was hilarious. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I don't know what you felt like on Wednesday, but I, I know that there were some moments on Tuesday where it got really, uh, really heinous. Yeah, I think I ran like seven miles in between that day and Sunday, which was the race. Like, And it was a slow seven miles. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. And oh that's the crazy thing is like, because we put we went through that high intensity thing, and I am not like I don't do that as often, and so that just wrecked me. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I'm actually I'm actually hoping to get a wreck bag this winter because I think that I definitely need some work on the carries for Spartan. Yeah, well, we're gonna do those in January. Oh, uh, perfect. Yeah, we're gonna trust me. There's gonna be some carrying going on, so it'll there be we good. Go. Nice. Well, look, Chris, uh, really pleased to have a chance to do this with you. And uh, as I suggested earlier, I'm very proud of you. That was awesome. Uh, Thank you. Now what we've got to do is we've got to do a repeat. Yeah. You know yep. what I mean? you got to go back and take it again. Go back and take it again. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun year. I mean, I'm still like on cloud nine from this past uh, this past yeah. race. But like I'm, I'm all, also looking forward to just like racing again. Um, and you know this next month definitely some time off over the holidays so you know uh, the one thing i forgot to ask you and yeah. I, th- I think i know the answer to it mm-hmm. what were you wearing shoes wise uh so the whole race i was actually wearing Merrill all out crush twos that's what i thought it was yeah uh, are they uh they relatively zero drop or they're two mil? six mil six mil yeah, yeah. I, I found yeah they're six mil but they're pretty minimal like i i prefer more minimal shoes where I can actually feel the ground. Exactly. Um, but yeah, they are six. I've I found that that's kind of like my sweet spot. Yeah. Well, we had yeah. this conversation. Somebody had asked me, 
And I said, well, I'm not sure what he was wearing, but I guarantee it wasn't a Hoka. It was not a Hoka. Nope. <laughs> nope. I know how, I know how much you love those. <laughs> well, so, I just don't, uh, you know, I mean, you just said it best. You, you need to feel the ground and yeah. people are under the impression that they need to protect their feet from the ground where that's kind of a false sense of security. You're really not doing yourself any favor by cushioning your feet. Yeah. I mean, I think it gives people like a false sense of, I don't know, like protection because if you're running properly, like you shouldn't need too much under your feet, you know? No, no. Well, that's the point. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm a weird guy, dude. I mean, when I'm laying in bed sleeping, I'm thinking about all the rationale for how dumb it might be to think that a shoe is going to trump the functionality of a normal foot. I mean, it's right. such a unique structure. The feet are so cool the way they're designed to take on the environment and, and dissipate shock. And, and, you know, it's a very cool instrument. And just slapping on some big sloppy shoe, thinking, okay, I'm cool now, is just like so stupid. I just so stupid. Yeah, you are a weird guy if you're thinking about that. Man. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's just so sick. I don't know, uh, but whatever. Look, again, uh, really cool. And listen, I'm telling you, I want to hear from you. We're going to do this thing. Just just figure on it, okay? Sounds good. All right, brother. Thanks again. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.